it's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope your days are going easy, squeezy. I uh, am an idiot and just did about 10 minutes of show. I didn't realize we use StreamYard to live cast to record our video, and they had changed up their buttons. So it used to just be you hit go live and it goes live, and now there's a secondary button you had to hit. So I hit it, and I'm like, all right, ready to go. 10 minutes down the drain. Probably the best 10 minutes of podcast history. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. I am uh, in pain, which is funny. Because John Odermatt, of course, on Monday's show, Finding Freedom. Oh, there's a fly in here. That's going to piss me off the entire time I'm podcasting. He talked about how he went to the gym and tweaked his back. So me being a caring individual, I say, hey, John, by the way, you know, I have, a, I have back problems. I had back surgery for a, a badly herniated disc. I get you know, muscle spasms. I have to take care of them. You should go see the doctor, get some muscle relaxers and, you know, some other things. Sure as hell. What happens right before I get on this podcast? I'm at the gym. I'm you know doing my sweat and getting my. I'm doing some shoulder lifts, right? Because you know I got to keep this body fit. My male Adonis over here, but tweak my back. It's kind of like the Matrix, you know, like when when Neo knocks over the vase, and uh, she's like, "Well, would you have knocked over the vase if I never said anything?" Like, would I have hurt my back if John didn't hurt his back? And I just had listened to him walking the dogs literally this morning, thinking about this back injury. I say no. I say it's 100% his fault. But that goes to show you guys, when you're in tune with your business partners, you've got to support them. And that's what we do here at the Lions of Liberty. So I have injured myself in support of John. And now I'm drinking whiskey too early in the day to, uh, to, to dull the pain. But if you want to support us, support what we do here get injured with us, you can go and join us at the Patreon site, either patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or at lionsofliberty.locals.com. Get our, uh, get my good morning rant, fuckhead, good morning, fuckhead rants. There we go. And also I'm going to be dropping the do nothing man, my libertarian comedy superhero radio play, not to be missed featuring Matt Kibbe on narration, uh, the voice of Jack Casey of John Odermatt, myself. It's hilarious. And it's going to be only for people behind the paywall for a good, good amount of time, probably a month or two. So make sure to get that. I'll, I'll release it for general uh, consumption at some point, but go support the show, what we're doing here. And I, I will blow you kisses all night long. I will not just blow you, but I blow you kisses. Okay. So hopping into it today. I, you guys have been paying attention over the last week, especially over 4th of July. There was a movie that dropped, which everybody thought was going to be a blockbuster because it is leaning heavily into the nostalgia aspect of it. We saw what happened with Maverick being such a mega hit, right? Everybody went to see Maverick. Everybody loved Maverick. It was straightforward, good old-fashioned movie making, and it leaned into something that people remember from their youth, right? And even though people said Top Gun wasn't that great after watching it, I don't give a shit. Maverick was great. Great soundtrack, loved every every minute of Maverick. But Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny flopped like a wet turd at the box office. Now, 
What's interesting is that, of course, this is coming out of Disney, which had bought Lucasfilm, and a woman named Kathleen Kennedy, who has ruined Star Wars, uh, seems intent on ruining Indiana Jones. Uh, she destroyed Willow, which they had to pull off of Disney Plus because it was so bad uh, that they just it was better for them to take a tax write off. If they kept it on the platform, they would have had to essentially, you know, not just label it as a loss because it's still on there trying to make money. So they destroyed Willow too. This woman is a, a terrorist when it comes to beloved franchises. And Indiana Jones, you would think, would have a massive following, even though Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was terrible. Still, if you said it's Harrison Ford, he's coming back as Indy, it's his last hurrah, well, then I'll go see it, right? What's not to love? But only if they're actually going to give me something that's a reliable product, like, like a Maverick. Something that's not going to smack me up the head with woke bullshit. Unfortunately... They made the mistake of screening this at con. Now, number one, I don't understand why people want to screen these giant blockbuster films at con to begin with. You're doing it for an art house audience. You're doing it for a foreign audience. So they're not going to have necessarily the fondness for American nostalgia that everybody else here would. And you risk completely undercutting your film if the negative reviews come out, which is what happened. Now, not just negative in the way that some people like me would, would look at this, wherein I'm sick of beloved heroes being basically run through the same trope now, right? And it's the same director that did Logan, which was a good film, right? Logan's down and out, a hard luck case. He's losing his powers, whatever. It was a good movie. But every superhero, every hero seems to be going through the same path. And there was a meme that came out about this. Luke Skywalker. What did Kathleen Kennedy and Disney do to him? They made him into a washed up shell piece of shit that turns on everything else. You know, it's just like, oh, gross. Thanks for ruining Luke. Same with, they ruined Han Solo. Now they're ruining Indiana Jones. I don't want to go to see Indiana Jones as a beat up old alcoholic man who's getting pushed around by an upstart, you know, I, I'm a fiery feminist who just is, you know, magically amazing and everything, replacing Indiana Jones and clearly trying to set her up for the next role. I don't have a lot of interest in seeing that. And Disney let that come out because they did this early screening at Con. It got bad reviews just based on the film itself. And it was a $300 million film. Now, that's before advertising. That's before all you know, distribution costs. <clears throat> so this film almost has zero chance of making money. Consider that this is the latest flop for Disney because Elementals came out from Pixar. That is just tanking. Buzz Lightyear had come out a couple, you know, during COVID, tanked completely. You had, um, what was the other one? Uh, Strange World come out, which is you know, ultra leftist in every way, Strange World, even to the point where progressives we're openly talking about it. the director openly talked about how he was trying to push these, these leftist ideals through there. And of course the leftist publications covering it are like, Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Nobody, nobody wanted to watch it. So Indiana Jones is tanking hard. Now what's interesting to watch is the leftist media apologize for it. And they've been making up all sorts of excuses like, well, people still don't want to go to the theaters because of COVID, even though that makes no sense. People went for Maverick. People went for Guardians of the Galaxy. People went for the first weekend of Little Mermaid. That's since tanked downwards. People went for, uh, I don't even know what else. Yeah, you know, people have been going to the movies. That's a complete myth. And not only that, but it's also completely destroyed by the Sound of Freedom showing, which I'll circle back around to, because that plays an interesting role in what's happening. So you've got this legacy media on the left apologizing for Indiana Jones and making excuses and saying, well, it's because it's the older demographic, right? Oh, these old men don't want to go see it. But bullshit. The younger audiences are also familiar with Indiana Jones. You watch it with your kids. You grow up with it. Okay. It's just like Star Wars, just like Back to the Future. It's the same. So that's nonsense. 
then they're like, well, you know, it, it might be that uh, people are, are just on vacation. They're traveling. Okay, again, bullshit. They did everything but address the core concept that people don't want to see their heroes torn down and replaced by woke left characters. And that's what is killing Indiana Jones. So it's so it's interesting that right now the legacy media apologizes for Indy, but meanwhile, Sound of Freedom, which I have not seen, right? I'll probably go go to see it. I don't know if I'll catch it in the theater or not. It's hard with two little kids. It's hard to get to the theater, but I'll probably catch it when it comes out on a, another platform. Now, this was a Disney property, which makes this extra delightful, right? If you're somebody that leans into Schadenfreude, as I greatly enjoy doing. But you've got this product that Disney now didn't roll out. And now in a political environment, their stance is, of course, now they definitely wouldn't roll it out. So they let it lapse and they sold it off. And I think Angel Studios had snapped it up. Now, I'm not sure the exact specifics of how Angel came to possess it. But Angel, which is a conservative studio, ended up getting the project. And they often fund their films through a crowdsource model in a lot of ways. You know, there's a lot of different projects. I know actually uh, the Tuttle Twins, I believe, is, is conjoined with Angel Studios. So... You've got this film coming out of a conservative studio now that completely blows the doors off everybody because nobody saw it coming, right? Blows the doors off things. It beat Indy, not on the, the whole weekend, but it beat him, you know, whenever it came out the day of. It looks like it's going to have legs. And for a film that must not have been a huge budget, right? It's certainly not a $300 million farce like Indy was. It's now proving that people are going to the movies, right? Or else it wouldn't have had a big opening. And that there is a definite hunger for films that are not going to push this leftist ideal. So what happens? The media attacks Sound of Freedom. You have Rolling Stone talking about how, well, this is a QAnon adjacent crap fest, you know. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but these are these are essentially the headlines. You have The Guardian talking about how Jim Caviezel, the elite of this, is a QAnon the conspiracy theorist. It's the transparency. And what they're trying to do is very obvious, right? They're trying to defend the woke left films. And they're trying to defend not only the woke left films, but they're trying to defend the old guard of Hollywood, which is we will give you, we will spoon feed you what we want to feed you. And that's it. You don't have any other options. You have to eat this shit sandwich that we're feeding you. And frankly, the concept that there's other studios out there that can crown for like an angel studios, right? That type of model. This fly is going to, I'm going to catch it like fucking Mr. Miyagi. I'm going to eat it on camera. The fact that they now have this upstart model where other content is being made and it's not going through the traditional Hollywood system, that is terrifying to them, right? Because they're losing their grasp on the narrative, which has been so potent in every, all these cultural movements we have going on. How much of that is the result of the entertainment complex? You can't say for certain. Right. It's like that asshole, uh, you know, doctor, professor uh, that won't debate RFK, Hotez, uh, trying to quantify how many people died of disinformation. Like, you can't quantify it. I can't possibly quantify the impact in converting people or, or getting this into the mainstream so that children are parroting these from woke leftist films and TVs. But it's not a uh, an insignificant amount of influence. And the fact you have a sound of freedom coming in here and. While they can compare it to QAnon, but human trafficking and trafficking of children is a major problem. A major problem. You read articles about, you know, stings that go down where they're rescuing 80 children, you know, in Texas or all these other places. You have human trafficking listed as one of the progressive ideals to go for, right? Like we have to take down human trafficking. It's a major deal. You have human trafficking listed as the reason that the government took down Backpages.com. And yet... 
Despite this film focusing on a major issue for the left and for every thinking person, you have articles trying to take it down. Now, why are they trying to take it down? Because it is a conservative film that appeals to a conservative base. I can, I've not seen it to speak to how good or bad the film is, but it is absolutely telling who goes after it, why they're going after it, and the uh, the terrifying impact this is having on the leftists in Hollywood. I mean, it's a full meltdown mode. And I think that the right, and, and you know, I say the right, and I don't even think I should just say the right. I think that people who realize now are waking up to what they're being sold, right? The indoctrination of especially children into a certain mindset are rejecting outright indoctrination from their movies and from wokeness. And I've talked about this before, how I live in LA and I've talked to people, especially about you know the issues with kids, especially about CRT and, you know, and the trans and all this other stuff being pushed on kids and denying parents their own input into this. And again, after COVID as well, people are now more attuned to being force fed these doctrines. And Hollywood is freaking out because they realize that people have seen what's happening with Bud Light. They realize their own purchasing power and the power of the pocket, and they're rejecting it. And it's not just, I don't want, I don't want to put it just on wokeism. The film industry has a problem overall. You know, I'll tell you, again, I'm a screenwriter. I'm trying to get my own films made. The amount of time and effort you have to put in to make it a quote-unquote four-quadrant film is beyond fucking aggravating. They have measures to even have a film really be considered to get pushed forward in the development process. You have to have women on screen talking for a certain amount of time and this and that, like and all these check marks. And you know about the Oscars now pushing that you have to have a certain amount of minority check boxes and gay check boxes and all these other things working on the product, even through the producing side for it to count for an Oscar, which I've said before is going to attack the, not only the basis of artistic film, because you should not be forced into casting people based upon their skin, because that is demanded from by this, you know, woke Oscars and Richard Dreyfuss has been great on this as have others, but it's not just that you're going to tear that down, but it's also, it will destroy independent film because there's no way you can get all those checkboxes. If you're a small filmmaker in a small town and whatever else, and you're not going to get funding because people are going to say, well, you can't get all these checkboxes. It's just idiotic. Now, the other thing too, you know, we talk about four quadrant films and four quadrants, basically, you know, it's men, women, you know, children and elderly, right? There's the four quadrants. They keep trying to appeal to everyone, all things for all people, which is a way to fail at anything. In my public relations career, right? Part of what I do is branding, helping people to brand and going after definitively saying, here's what we are. Here's who we're going after is so vital to creating and growing a, a brand and Everything they're doing in film right now is set up to destroy that because by developing things for all people, you are obviously you're not going to appeal to half them. You can try, but then you get these like what we're seeing now, these nonsense, just you know, stupid, worthless character development, shoehorned in love stories, shit that doesn't appeal to people like me or like you probably watching this. And in the meantime, things that would appeal to one quadrant that could be made, by the way, for far cheaper. Because you make a film that's not a blockbuster that's appealing to four quadrants, you can make it far cheaper. So you can make more movies that might satisfy more people, but in niche markets. John Wick is a perfect example of this. John Wick is not a four quadrant movie. And yet it is one of the most successful and affordable to make franchises that has just destroyed everything. They made four of these fucking things. 
apparently it's done now. I'm sure they'll have some of, something else rolled out. But it's one of the most successful franchises in film history, considering what it is, what it was made for. More of that, please. Less four quadrant, let's satisfy everybody and satisfy nobody at the same time. And more make content for people who want to watch that content. And it's a little bit ironic. Let me get a sip of water. It's a little bit ironic that broader Hollywood, when they look at films to be developed, they're now, it's, it's a twofold failure system. On one side, they're making these four quadrant garbage, big blockbuster films. And on the other side, the only writers that they're considering now, for the most part, is diverse writers who are writing for niche markets, right? That have come out of, you know, <coughs> the Native American, uh, you know, writer coming up and she runs more content for Native Americans that no one's going to watch. because you know, What's the interest of it? You have to have a broader appeal. So they're telling way too broad in one respect and way too tiny little bitty niche in their other respect and ignoring the broader context of let's just make good movies that don't have to check every box. It's just, it's just fucking unbelievable. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, I also just think it's interesting that they're trying to character assassinate Jim Caviezel because, again, trying to cast this whole movie about human trafficking and Sound of Freedom. Again, a, a leftist talking point, a leftist goal to eradicate, as should everybody eradicate it. They're trying to take this movie down by associating Jim Caviezel, who did talk about QAnon. And I've never really gone down the QAnon path too deeply, right? I think there's probably some truth to everything, but I, I don't really subscribe to it. But because he had espoused some support for that and how Hollywood may just, in fact, be full of pedophiles, which I, I really hope Mel Gibson's movies supposedly making to expose this comes to fruition. But to try to tank the movie because of that, in a review, in a review for the film, they tie the lead actor's personal beliefs in QAnon to try to demonize the film and stop people from watching it. And it's just, it's repulsive to watch. By the way, you know what also was repulsive? I was going to try to sing a parody song of I Want My MTV, but using Hunter Biden's cocaine endeavors and uh, the possibility, allegedly, that Hunter Biden had cocaine in the White House. I was going to have this wonderful song, you know, about I left my cocaine in the library, but I just couldn't make it work with the time frame. I really need to do more pre-production on this. And I apologize, guys. I need to get back on my funny song train. I need to pre-produce these things so I can just let them roll. I promise to do that. That's my pledge to you. I'm, I swear to God, if you can't see this fly on camera that's buzzing around my head, there's no food in this room. Does it want whiskey? Do you want whiskey, fly? Do you want the whiskey? Goddamn drunk flies in my house. Okay. So next topic, we'll move on from that one. The next thing I want to talk about here is... And again, I'm not going to go into the Supreme Court stuff. Odie and I talked about that on Meme Wars last Friday. I think enough people have talked about that. But I do want to talk about this concept of cognitive infrastructure that I just recently heard about. And I don't know all of you have been attuned to this. But cognitive infrastructure is what CISA, the uh, you know cybersecurity and infrastructure something associated, you know, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact breakdown of the government organization CISA. CISA, they have created this term, or I should say adopted this term from uh, psychology called cognitive infrastructure. Now, this term is one of the fucking greatest devils, the greatest evils that has ever been created in government history. Because the government 
constitutionally right, has been allowed to regulate and control infrastructure, right? That's what that's one of the the mandates or one of the permissions of government is to create infrastructure and to manage infrastructure. But of course, the definition of infrastructure was essentially roads, you know, trains, ports, things of that nature, that type of infrastructure for moving goods around, products and services, people, infrastructure of that nature, not cognitive infrastructure, which is complete bullshit and is essentially the regulation of the infrastructure of people's minds and of the country's, I don't know what you you call it, uh, cultural genesis, the the country's uh, neural pathways as a whole. But under the guise of infrastructure, our government has now created, and this is the ultimate loophole that I can't, I mean, it, it's hard to wrap your head around how unbelievably brazen this is. The ultimate loophole into their justification for censoring information, for controlling what we hear, what we read, uh, for, for you know, attacking websites, for working with directly with mainstream media companies, which they do, by the way, very often, and propagandizing the citizenry through to working directly with social media companies, which of course now has a federal uh, bar put on it, which we'll see what that stops. You know, they had major institutions working with, you know, like the FBI working directly within Twitter and Facebook. Maybe that'll stop that, but you know, they're still going to be doing things behind the scenes. But regardless, this concept of cognitive infrastructure is so fucking Orwellianly fucked. Like it, it is legitimately a phrase created for the sole purpose of manipulating the minds of Americans. And to take a basis like infrastructure and then just think that you can add on this imaginary concept, right? Think how many other government loopholes can be created by adding on an imaginary made of concept. It's like watching a Star Trek episode where they're like, hey, you know, the uh, the photon torpedoes won't fire out of the crumbs tube. And he's like, oh God, how are we going to solve this problem? I know, We'll use the flibbajibbobber and that'll beam in neural crablons and that'll solve the problem. And everybody's like, oh, fuck yeah. That is what the government has done. They are using Star Trek logic here to solve the problem. The problem, of course, not being able to propagandize and control American information flow. But they created a solution out of thin air, out of fucking nothing. And somehow we're just finding out about this now. This is the devil incarnate by defining what Americans think and feel and their communicative abilities as infrastructure. You now give permission to the government to regulate that, to fix the quote unquote potholes, right? To fix the, the fucking trains that are going off the tracks in Americans thinking that cannot be permitted. I, uh, (laughs) it's holy shit level scary. I mean, it almost reminds me of a little bit, you know, right now, I'll tell you another just as a, because I was thinking about it today, holy shit level scary stuff is in France, they just passed a bill that would permit with warrant police to turn on cell phone cameras and microphones without the user being aware. Now, obviously, we know that that is a horrible idea. (laughs) How do we know that? Well, you could argue, well, well, you know, they wiretap phones already. What's the difference? Well, I'll tell you the difference. The difference is, number one, you can turn them on and off at any given time, right? Your cell phone, you know, old cell phone tapping, old old wire tapping, you actually had to be on the phone, right? We know that's not the case now. You know your phone's listening all the time. 
If you ever open your phone up having a conversation about uh, how you wanted the latest, uh, I don't know, Swedish penis pump, and then you open your Google Gmail and happens to have ads for penis pumps popping up, you know what I'm talking about. Your phone is always listening. The government will not just randomly use it. They will always listen. And they're saying, well, it's only for warrants. It's only for criminals. It's only for these things. Okay, the abuses that you see come out, our own FISA courts are a great example of this and all everything that happened with Russiagate and the rubber stamping where they approved something like, you know, 3,000 and denied seven. Well, that same thing's going to happen. And not only are you going to have rubber stamping to abuse this privilege and, and surveil everyone and anything at all times. It almost basically what it reminds me of is in Batman with uh, Christian Bale, where he goes down and he has the setup where every goddamn computer through the, uh, the I don't know, what's his real name? Uh, uh, I forget. Whatever. Johnny Batman in real life's name. He's got everything wiretapped. And so they're using it. That's basically what they're doing now. And to presume that the government is full of great people that only do good things and wouldn't abuse the shit out of this is asinine. I mean, just look at the TSA before we had the latest x-ray machines now, which only give like an outline. They had those, those rapey scan machines that literally did a body outline that only the TSA officer could see. And it was essentially a nude picture of you. And they said, well, don't worry. There's no way you can only, uh, you can't save these. You can't do anything with these. Well, guess what they did? They saved them. They kept them. They were jerking off to people's pictures and violating their privacy, all in the name of going through and having a, a safe airplane environment, which of course has gotten worse every year. It's a boondoggle for costs, for delays in flights. It doesn't stop shit anyway. How about the NSA? Where it came out through, again, I think it was might have been from the Snowden files. I'm sure it was the Snowden files. You had NSA officers who were tapping into their girlfriend's uh, you know, conversations and pictures and all this other shit just because just they could. The government is not made of good people. It is made of, of the worst people. Look at the people that run the government. The people on top are the biggest pieces of narcissistic, sociopathic shit that have ever lived in the history of the world. And the people under them were supposed to think are better? The people under them just weren't good enough to get to the top. They're dumber. They're shittier. <laughs> and we're supposed to think that they're going to completely control their urges to turn on a camera for some hot chick, you know, for the drug dealer that uh, that has a harem of, uh, of coked out bitches uh, or a Hunter Biden for that matter. matter. I mean, give me a break. I'm a good person and I'd be tempted to do that. So that's not a terrifying thing out of France. Okay, let's move on here again. What are we in? 26 minutes now. So I'm not going to do too long of a show today. I'm getting a late start. Um, Cato. Cato's a joke. I had read a tweet that Cato put out. This was in regards to an article talking about uh, how we should not be deporting. Oh, they changed the headline. Interesting. Well, anyway, the article they wrote was essentially saying, oh, here we go. U.S. needs to protect Ukrainian refugees in the United States. Congress should pass a Ukrainian Adjustment Act giving Ukrainian migrants who have entered the country during the war the right of permanent residency and work status. Now, I tweeted out that this is a fucking joke. I tweeted out that this is a, another example of Cato being uh, an undermining force in the movement of leaning into statism, leaning into uh, progressive stupidity in half the time and uh, neocon conservative the other half of the time. This, to me, is another insult to the American population. Because even though I have some sympathy 
for migrants, people that are affected by war. And we are without a doubt a, a uh, component of what's happening in Ukraine. I look at what's happening in France, right? The, the riots from the migrants there. And I think about, well, we've already got an incredible amount of immigration coming in here, which is an issue. On top of that now, we've got this war in Ukraine, which is costing billions and billions and billions of dollars, which we've had no say, no say in what's happening there. You have a Ukrainian country that's being ravaged. And now we're supposedly supposed to pass an act that's going to ratify these people and make them permanent citizens. So all these people that came over, and this war's only been going a year, and there's already some that are saying like 117, 150,000 people. That's, that number's only going to grow. So now we're supposed to take all these, all these Ukrainians, which I presume are not going to speak the American language. I presume are not going to be able to find a job right away. I presume will need residents. I will presume might have families. I presume they will need money to pay for goods and services. Thus, they'll be a part of the expanding welfare state. And there's no promise that these people are going to quickly adapt and adopt our culture, nor blend into it. So on top of the money we're already paying for the Ukrainian war, the billions spent to helping to destroy their country, we now have to add further debt to our own nation by adopting these refugees, making them permanent citizens, and then being on the dole for everything that, that entails from them being permanent citizens, a.k.a. joining the welfare state. I just reject this. 100%. 100%. But, and the only argument I would, I would possibly consider again is, well, the United States is helping to create this issue. Well, we're helping to prolong it, but we didn't, and, you know, we didn't make Putin attack. Well, yes, I do agree. NATO probably provoked this. I'm not going to say that the American population should have to pay through continued erosion of the monetary system, the value of the dollar, expansion of the welfare state. I don't think punishing us further to take these people in on a permanent basis is a good idea nor a solution in any way, shape, or form. This seems like a cry of guilt from somebody that thinks that somehow their sins are going to be wiped away through this action when this action is probably going to create more problems at home in addition to not solving the main core issue. Right? If anything... Taking in these refugees is going to be seen as, oh, America, America doing the right thing. And so we're balancing out all the Ukrainians that we're helping to murder by giving them cluster bombs now, you know, and, and prolonging this war with Russia, which probably would have been resolved a year ago when they could have sat down, signed the Minsk Accords. And, you know, if not for Boris Johnson going over there at the behest of the United States and NATO to completely kibosh the deal, probably these people wouldn't have been displaced in the first place. But I do not accept that we have any onus to take them in, to pay for them, to, to bring them into our society. And again, fuck over so many other people that have been patiently waiting to immigrate in the first place. And in the meantime, there's also the question of when these people come in in mass, again, France is a good example. You're going to vet them all. You're going to make sure that they, they, they want to be here in the first place. They can be looking for anywhere. They're just going to end up plopping here. And I just, I think it's completely adverse to the libertarian philosophy of everything. The benefit of, you know, the benefit to the Ukrainians of war uh, and us funding this war should not be to punish the citizens of this country. All right. Last topic here, guys. Oh, wait, did I already go through them all? There was one more thing I want to talk about. And I just completely blanked on it now. Well, shit, I guess this is going to be a short show because 
It's fine. I got to wrap it up anyway. Um, sorry for the short show. I thought I had one more note to talk about here, but apparently I don't. And uh, it's a good thing anyway, because my family's going to be coming home in about 10 minutes and I'm making a delicious white chicken chili for dinner. So there you have it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to uh, to Mean Age Daydream. Please do support us if you get the chance. Again, Mean Age Daydream. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Do Nothing Man will be dropping and uh, you don't want to miss that. Fantastic, hilarious live read at Porkfest in front of a live audience was great. And of course, to support us and everything else we do by going to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty.locals.com. Next week, tune in. I'm going to have Max Borders on to talk about Underthrow, which is a book he's got coming out and a competition for $25,000 prize to write a basically a new constitution for the consent or a constitution based on the consent of the government. Um, we'll talk more about it, obviously, on the show. That's next week's episode. But you can get in on that contest. So uh, free to enter. Check it out. Pretty cool stuff. All right, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network for Mean Age Daydream. And uh, I don't know what else. I don't know. Winnie the Pooh. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe. And keep that ray gun to my head.